Hello, everyone, and we are live for episode 47 of the Fitness Business Growth Podcast. I'm here with Steve Jensen, who has a whopping 35 years of sales experience. To put that in perspective, I'm 33 years old. So Steve has been selling memberships since before I was born. Today, we're talking about how sales have changed throughout the years. We're going to cover beliefs around sales, and we're going to finish with what are the best ways to convert leads. Welcome to the Fitness Business Growth Podcast, a podcast run by gym owners for gym owners. My name is Mitch, and along with Jamie, we are your hosts, and we will be discussing all the important things that you need to run a successful fitness business. From marketing, to lead generation, to sales, to retention, to staff, and much, much more. So if you are a fitness business owner, then this is for you. We hope you enjoy the following episode, and we will speak with you soon. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me. Good to see you. Mate, I really want to thank you for coming on. I'm truly humbled and honored that you would share your 35 years of sales experience with myself and our audience. So Steve, how I start every podcast is really simple. I'm going to ask you a question. If I met you at a party and we didn't know each other, what do you do? Uh, I help uh, predominantly businesses make more money to get, make sure they have a lifestyle that they're proud of and uh, can freedom to make choices because we, we know that there's not much in business that more sales weren't fixed. So uh, what do you do? <laughs> it's one of my favorite things, Steve. Like I've never, like any problem in life, a lot of it can be fixed by making a sale. And today it is still maybe the highest form of dopamine human beings can actually exist if you make a sale. It's like catching a fish. And at the end of the day, uh, I, I remember back in my younger days, it was uh, at my very, very first sale because I, I didn't pop out of mum going to be a sales professional. I'll give you the drum. So at the end of the day, it was uh, how to go through all the other bits and pieces and, you know, go to school, go to uni and all the stuff. And, you know, I dabbled in uh, finance and all the things and computers and things. But um, the day I opened a little club where there were no clubs in Australia and it was just a place to train because I was an athlete. I did quite well and I uh, was representative in a number of different codes and I needed a place to train. There was no place to train. And uh, I, I thought it would be a great idea to have a place where I could go. Anyway, long story short, um, mate of mine had a little place above the Commonwealth Bank and said, oh, you can have it. And uh, put some carpet down and put some bits and pieces there. <laughs> went up to uh, <laughs> went up to uh, um, Queensland and went to a foundry, bought some weights, and then I just said, well, they're really ugly. So I came back and wire brushed them and red-leaded them and sprayed them with uh, gunmetal blue, stuck them on the, put some, got some racks and... Uh, and they gave me all these pipes. It was all just pipes. And they had to kind <laughs> of bolt them to the ground. Went down to, uh, bought some mirrors, stuck them on the wall, as you need them back in those days. Um, always made the ones look, look bigger. And I've got my gramophone records uh, and my gramophone and brought it up there. And I put conduit up there. I thought it was, I was just so clever. And the reason so I tell you this is. Can I jump in here? Can I jump in here? What year did you open this club? What year did you open the club? In the 80s. The 80s and what early 80s, late 80s? Is it before Die Hard yeah, One or after Die Hard One? Low, 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 low to mid 80s, and there was no yeah. clubs around. The only place you could actually go was a, a YMCA, a, a best a little corner. The reason I tell you a little story is because 
um, I thought it would be if someone came in, I could train them. You know, I was a pretty good trainer. I, I was an athlete, and it was, I had to create a program card, and so I put a little flyer together saying gym opening, two, two, two or three dollars, I think it was, uh, coming for a workout. Now, by the way, we'll put it into perspective. Um, you could buy everything for, you know, 10 cents, 20 cents, 50 cents back in those days. So anyway, two, sorry, again, sorry, two, strict, two, two to three dollars for a workout or a membership. Like what, what was going on? There wouldn't even be memberships then. There were, well, there was no such thing as a membership. We're talking, uh, there wasn't even facts. Um, sorry, I remember so the day facts? I was told about a fax. There was no, no such thing as a fax. We, uh, oh, a fax machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably some of the youngsters don't even know what that is. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, we were sitting there and uh, I was drawing up a program card. And back in those days, I used to wear very short shorts and a proper tank top and had a goatee beard and a Barry Gibb haircut and that sort of stuff. Anyway, uh, I remember the day. And by the way, this lady is still a friend of mine. I had my Barry White albums going on in the background and I was eating some food as you in my little, it was almost a cupboard and I had, you know, weights and stuff and so tree frog green and all, all color coded beautifully. And the carpet was put in properly, had air conditioning as well. Cause I was a bit of a wimp. I didn't like hot weather. <laughs> lady walked in and said, Oh, look, I got a fly. Cause I actually created a fly. I got a stencil out and I drew the stuff and stuck some pictures from woman's day and Weeder magazine and folded up and put it in uh, people's letterboxes. I think it would be the first junk mail you'll ever see. Anyway, oh, it just yeah. said come gym opening two or three, I think it was two or three bucks or whatever it was. Um, she said, I got this flyer. She was a little bit of a bigger lady. And I went, oh, okay, terrific. Now, I had never done a sale in my life. <laughs> I, I sat down and I said, terrific, let's have a chat. And I put my, my chicken in the, in the fridge. Um, and she said, what do you want? So she said, oh, I need to lose some weight. So we had a bit of a chat and we could certainly do. That was all about nutrition back in those days. And I'll come back to that later. Anyway, I said, told her how much it was. And she says, oh, um, what if I want to come every day? I said, well, it'll be $2 a day or $3 a day. She says, well, what if I got a, a, do you have a membership? I just said, what, what do you mean? <laughs> she said, well, what if I had a membership? Come for six months a year. I said, well, do you just pay every time? And that was completely foreign to me. And she Amazing. said, oh, I said, oh, I was pretty good. And I'm good, pretty good numbers. So I quickly amortized it at 7.7 derivative and make it at a nine derivative and then took it back down. It was 200 plus something stuff that they were training once or twice a week. And I was like, oh, okay, how about 195 for the year? And she says, oh, okay, that's cheap. And I went, shit. <laughs> so 195 so she, AUD for the entire year. She said she would give me 195 bucks. You know what? So I was, you talk about dopamine. I was off the Richter scale because I was in Havana, mate. I mean, I've been working in computers and done the banking thing and I'm a young puppy. Um, and um, she's going to give me 195 bucks. That's like in nowadays, like $2,000 or whatever. It's like crazy. So that now, was my next actually, question, Steve. Can, can you please paint a picture for the audience? What does $195 actually buy you in the early 80s? Oh, gee whiz. Um, you could go to a, you could get on a plane and go to uh, Queensland and stay in a, a lovely hotel and come back and have change. <laughs> That's amazing. You can barely <laughs> go out for a couple of drinks today for 195 bucks. Far out. Mate, that's right. A few coronas and you're shouting, you know, cocktails, you're done. Yeah. Anyway, this lady was absolutely tickle pink. I ran over to my receipt because I don't I thought I'd get a couple of two or three dollars or whatever for the day. And I gave her this receipt and I I didn't want to look super rookie and I I wrote this receipt for her and I pulled it out in the middle of the receipt book and I gave it to her. And she said, oh, terrific. How many members do you have? And I looked at her and I said, <laughs> and 
you you are the very first member. You're number one. I said, you're the first person I've ever come in here. <laughs> yeah. So we spent tons of time together. <laughs> anyway, it's, I learned pretty quickly, mate. But at the end of the day, I was doing some trading with her on the floor. We're having a lot of laugh. I put the Beach Boys on to make it a little bit more upbeat. Um, and uh, a man called Ian Gifford walked in and he, he was a bit un upset with me because I stuck his the flyer under his door. And he, he was a little fella. He, he yelled over. He walked in and said, hey, did you put this under my door? I said, <laughs> yes. Are you the guy that doesn't have a letterbox? And he said, well, what gives you the right to put it under my door? And I was, look, I was a lot bigger man than I am now. I can give you the drum. And I was, it was yelling across the room. So I was a little bit ticked off. And I walked up to him. I said, well, what's your problem? <laughs> Imagine if that he was said, the well, same way today as people slide into your message inbox, offering you things like, what gives you the right to offer me things? <laughs> well, he then said, what have you got here? And I was just, I was, a, I had the lady waiting for me. I went, what do you think it is? There's a gym. You, you got the flyer? I was like, go away. You've been obnoxious. And I did, I, I wasn't doing it for the money. You know, I was, I just yeah. wanted a place to train and I was putting it to the public. Right. Anyway, he said, well, how much does it cost? I said, it's 195 a year. He said, for a whole year. I said, yeah, well, if you don't want to join, it's okay. He said, all right, well, uh, when can I join? I said, look, I'm flat out now. Come back in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting, right? Like, So you didn't want this person to join, so you pitched him a paid in full. He's like, okay, I'll do that. Well, it was a paid in full because Anne asked me for the activity. It wasn't in my ethos. I wasn't. I didn't know what a membership was. It was I just want two bucks or three bucks. Anyway, it evolved, and that day a lot of people came in and a lot of people paid $195. No one paid me a few bucks. I went okay. home to my partner and she said, oh, how did you go today? And I said, you get $5 or get $10? And I went and I took, got my uh, coffee jar and put it out there. And she said, oh, my, because everyone paid cash back in those days. And because yeah. uh, there was no credit cards that did not exist. Right. Yeah. And she said, oh, goodness gracious. I went back the next morning because it didn't open till 12 o'clock because I had to train. I opened it to train. Right. Um, and because um, I resigned from the bank just to play because I was getting sponsorships from sporting clubs companies to wear their tracksuits and stuff anyway um i had all these people lined up outside i went oh damn it they want to get their money back <laughs> so i okay still had the, i still had the the, the, the coffee jar and they Sorry, said can, oh, I, my ju friend can I jump like in there steve why did they want them oh so they had friends outside join or they, they want their would. money back oh okay well so i you, thought you, they were and we opened at 12 o'clock there's a pink pink big pink sign says 12 o'clock to five o'clock you know i had a place to train i need to go to see my partner i needed football training i need to go to karate it was it was a 12 to 5 to convenient for me um <laughs> it wasn't a commercial gym yeah. um it's, it's amazing mate, they said, oh, i want my friends to join yeah and i and said any it's 10 o'clock it's, uh, it's it's uh, we open in 12 at uh, 12 o'clock they said oh we won't bother you i said <laughs> you only joined yesterday so I put it yeah. up there, opened up everything, put the air conditioning on. And, you know, we had 40-odd members join that day. The day the first day was about 20-odd, 20 uh, 21. And it was like chaos. So just to confirm, mate, so they all paid in full. Oh, yeah, we, we didn't, six... didn't have credit card. It didn't exist. Mm. So you're expecting... Oh, some paid a, couple... a check. Some paid a check. So you're expecting a couple of bucks a day. Then all of a sudden you had 60 people pay you one nine five up front. In two 12, days. $12,000 in the early 80s. You would have felt like the richest man alive. 
Oh, you have no idea. I said, my God, I'll be able to buy a new car. I'll be able to... <laughs> and I said, if I don't get any more, that's okay. And so, but it wasn't the case. It wasn't and the then case. I we guess had a like, lot of fun there. So at that point now, like who you are today, being doing sales for 35 years, did you even realize that was a sale transaction? Did you know that was a sales conversation? Or were you just so green that you thought like, I open gym, I provide service, people pay me? I had a, a financial background because I'd work in a bank. I was fiscally sound. Um, I'm pretty good with numbers, and I'm 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 a, I'm a strategist from a puppy, you know. So at the end of the day, when they, as soon as it put on the table, it was a new paradigm. I I shifted it quite quickly. Uh, I then did spreadsheets and so forth, and did um, um, did some calculations or started putting a, a target and budget. Oh, by the way, I had, I had no rent; I only had to pay electricity uh, and phone bill. That was it because my friend gave me the stuff upstairs. So the expenses were very, very low, but nothing mm. like now. Um, but no, I, I knew it was a sale and I, I, I enjoyed it. And um, I knew what they were getting was going to make a real big difference to them. Um, and I really got a charge out of training the people. I, I had a real problem, though, because there were quite a few people in the early days. And I, I rung up some of my friends from the football team. And I said, look, could you come and help me? And they said, no. I said, well, and then I had to change the paradigm. I said, oh, they've got some really hot chicks coming down. They said, okay, <laughs> we're down. <laughs> so like, so your, your, your gym, just so I can get a better understanding, what, like compare it to a gym today. Was it like a 20, was it an anytime fitness only open from 12 to five? Or was it a, a boutique group fitness gym? Like what type of, what type of gym was it? Oh, look. It would be at best a couple hundred square. I want 250 square meters. Um, I had a, a, a toilet, one toilet um, and a shower that I fixed up myself. Um, they had to walk up the stairs from downstairs. It wasn't on the ground floor. Uh, it was a tiny little door. Um, it was, right. yeah, it was, a, it was, it was a cupboard. Anyway, it, it, it grew and, uh, I thought, wow, uh, this is fun. And, Created lots of processes and systems, and I had an opportunity to have another one. And then went pop, 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 pop. Industry started to become a thing. Can I define, Steve, how many pop, 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 pops? How many locations did you grow to? At our, at our heyday, we had 23. 23 locations. Yeah. And what, and what was it called? Oh, one was called Village, and the other one was called Galaxy. Far out, 23 locations, 23 different physical locations. Were they all yeah, yeah, in right. were they all around Australia? Or were they in New South no, Wales? No, where? no, no. Just, just in Sydney, um, um uh, uh, North Shore and uh um towards the east. The eastern suburbs were a little bit expensive with the rents, but the rents were quite low back in those days. Yeah. So when you had 23 locations and you started growing and you were more, I guess, CEO, general manager of the group. At what point did you start to develop your sales process, your sales system, so you could have people run the other 23 studios? Well, look, it didn't go from one to 23, I can assure you. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a metamorphosis, so to speak. So what happened was we had one and then we had two. One and two was easy. When we went to three, mm. the catastrophe. When you go from and one what, to two. What was the catastrophe? Because, because you just... Did a little bit of fly, flyers and so forth and stick it in the yellow pages and that was easy. But then you've got to multiply yourself times three. 
it was getting someone to be able to do the things that I did. See, two is easy. Three, you've got to have systems. And we started creating systems process. Well, remember, we didn't have computers back then. Mm. We're not on, there was no such thing as online. <laughs> it was a telephone. And, a, and then later on down the track, we got a fax. I mean, goodness gracious me. So everything was done in books. Everything was drawn up. It was all done with paper. Um, we didn't even have credit cards. No credit card. Man, I remember I'll the day I was in my... Yeah, I did a pre-sale in 2012 for Snap Fitness Tugra. And even in 2012, people had FPOS cards. They didn't really have Visa and MasterCard. So we had to collect BSB and account numbers to create memberships. And that was a challenge because people didn't have internet banking. So I can't even imagine what it was like. Like, did people have to give you their bank book detail? Like, like why, how did that even work? Look, someone couldn't pay. And by the way, it was paid in full. There was no direct debit. There was, I'll come to direct debit later. There was, remember, there was no internet. Fax was just coming in. It was all, you get your cash and you get checks. You take your little, ba your little bag to the bank every day and you deposit it. That's how oh, right. business worked. Man. So that's how it worked. And you had 23 bank bags, 23 deposits oh, at the no. end of the day. As I said, it was a slow metamorphosis. And then at the end of the day, um, it wasn't all at once. And it took quite a long time because uh, there were, when the industry started to become quite um, vigorous, mm. when something works, people find out about it. And, you know, there's some really big operators like Valentine's came into play. And then there was Vigor. Um, and they were really, you know, they were very plush. They were nothing like my place you know at the end of the day our, mm. our bikes were aerodimes and stuff like that and all of this every, there was nothing we didn't have pin loaded back in those days and so just to jump in again steve i am dying with curiosity here so over time you grew up to 23 locations in sydney and then i guess the fitness industry started to, to catch on yeah. who like fitness first was like 2007 so like who was like in the 90, 90s, all the way up until Fitness First, who were your competitors? Like who came into the market and what was that brand? John Valentine's was the big rock. Um, Chuck so, Mabity came over here and there was the orange and green and uh, they were very good. They were very good into calisthenics, um, which became aerobics, whatever you want to call it back in those days. They had everyone in the G, the G, the, the, the leotards initially and it was uh, from physical, it came from physical culture uh, into calisthenics and, and uh, calisthenics, and then it went into aerobics, um, and then um, then vigor uh, came along. But also some really good bodybuilding strength training uh, uh, clubs opened, like Nautilus in, in St. Leonard's, and then um, you know Bill Moore opened up City Gym, which was uh, iconic, um, and that th that th they were uh, they were the masters of packs. Uh, this is when the industry changed quite significantly. It changed from, you know, I was playing around with memberships. People couldn't pay sometimes. We put the prices up, obviously, as progressed to $2.95 and all the other stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, in the meantime, because I had done a, a lot of background in um, medical and sport, I, I then went into the psychology area. I was really interested in the human brain. And I did a program uh, that, uh, you know, I met some phenomenally clever people. I started psychology pro uh, uh um, at uni, but then I decided to change to neural order, which is the granddaddy of a process everyone knows about called NLP. Yeah, I, I, I studied there for five years, but I really wasn't just to be, I just wanted to know how to communicate. 
And because we were in the people business, because we weren't in the fitness business, it was about the people, about to train people, about how to make them feel happy, how to work with your staff and leadership and sales go hand in hand. Uh, I, I believe that selling is leadership. And if, you, if you don't start with the soft skill, the soft skill is not taught, not taught at uni. It, it's not taught. So I was actually a, an absolute disciple. And you know, long story short, I, I graduated, became professor in that area. And then and then all of a sudden it became very clicky. Bandler and Grinder split up. And then they went into NLP. And as it is at this point of time. But I put the processes. I didn't want to teach people that communication. I just put it into processes and tools using soft skills with trigger points, which allowed to, it made it a system that I could teach my team. So I created tools. I created tools which they could utilize. So I could actually have a prompt. Now, we back in the old days, we used to call them scripts, but they, they're really prompts now. And then you have a tools to be able to then don't have to remember all the questions. You have trigger points with the, to actually access the MISA cycles to create an emotional modality so someone makes a decision to buy. You don't have to sell. And this has always been the ethos with ITC so, Impact so Training. So just to jump in, sorry, mate. So you, you studied NLP? Then you realized that selling was persuasion, selling was communication. Then you created tools and systems into your location so that your staff could do the same things that you were doing, to have genuine yeah. conversations, to discover those triggers, and to help people make a decision without feeling like they've been sold. Uh, yes. Um, the problem with a lot of managers and leaders and owners now is they're very skilled. Our industry is studded with phenomenally skilled individuals. I mean, really, they just have the DNA to be able to have a chat with someone and they'll buy something and they've inspired the person to, to become a member. That's if anyone's writing anything down, write that down, inspire someone to become a member, not close the sale. Okay. Let's keep that in mind. But there's a big, but here when you know something really well and, 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 and you know, it, you want to teach somebody, but you want them to learn it quickly. But you remember learning is about a neural pathway. It's just like a muscle. Repetition's the mother of learning. Now, everyone hates role play, so we call it PDR, practice, drill, rehearse. We, we knew that as an athlete, as a, as, as a strength trainer, um, as, a, as a fighter, as a sprinter, we need to do significant amount of practice, significant. Make mm. sure the muscles were strong, make sure they recovered and so forth. So when, we, when I started putting these things, and I just did it innately because I'd done the training, I created the tool, I knew what to do. I said, wow, I really we have a problem here. We've got great tools, but they don't know. They can understand what I'm saying, but they don't know how to do it. So we went, arduously went through and trained the people on how to use the tool. So then they knew what it was, why it was used, and how to do it. And we did practice on a regular basis. And my team really loved it because it really wasn't selling skills. It was communication yeah. skills. And they went home and used with their mum, dad, sister, brother. And it was really great fun. And it became, and then they evolved into leaders. And then when the leaders then empowered others. So when we created the systems and the tools, that was the first step. But then it was actually, how do you impart and empower your team members to do it? And by the way, I'm pretty good at sales, but I can assure you, some of my team members were much better. And that's when you know you've succeeded because they uh, are putting into play. So as we progressively went from two to four to five or six or whatever, we then evolved. And I, I used to get feedback from my team. I said, what could we do better? And they used to come back with some stuff. And I knew it was neuralistic, neuro, neurolinguistically sound. I said, that's a very good idea. 
And I'm learning from these people that don't even know the, the, the ins and outs of the, let's say, the analytics of it all. They were just doing it. So I then put it into process. So I'm very good at taking a thing, putting it into a process to then recreate scalability. And, it's interesting. Um, you said repetition and doing the thing, and repetition is the mother of uh, repetition of learning. Is of learning. Sorry, yeah. Repetition is and the mother of learning and skill. Repetition is the mother of learning. It is so interesting, right? Because, like, as a fitness professional, we understand squat, deadlift, bench press. You do reps, you get stronger, you improve your technique, and it compounds over time, and you become an amazing squatter, deadlifter, mm -hmm. or bench presser. And then fitness pros, fit pros, come into the industry and think they can sell from day one. Like if it took you a thousand reps to master a squat, maybe it might take you a thousand role plays. It is the exact same thing. Like you, it's unreasonable to think you'd be good at sales if you haven't sold before. The same reason it would be unreasonable to think you can do an ass to grass squat if you've never had a barbell on your back. No, you're absolutely correct. There are some people that are innate, have it in their DNA. They're innately. We call them intuitives, and there are some around. They they just come along. They see it to it, and they just duck to water and sometimes to try to systemize and process an intuitive sales professional is detrimental to that person um but if you want to create a business that is a communication business or remember i keep saying it and you'll get sick of it we are in the people business by way of our product or service become 100%. very good with people and have an outcome-based business i want to have a communicate not to sell them <clears throat> to get them excited about buying and give me the money, the credit card or whatever it may be and say, thank you. And if we get yeah. that ethos, sure, you have to have calls to action. Sure. You've got to get, make sure you have those conversations. But as you know, you talk or speak to more people and you make more sales. And um, as we, back in those days, it was all about getting out there and talking. We didn't have internet. We, we eventually started doing fax streams. <clears throat> we used to send out mail, bulky mail, in, with a letter, with a stamp on the bloody thing. And people don't even know how to write an envelope these days. Um, and then we used to get a phone call. No one could send us an email because if they wanted to know they walked in or made the call. Sometimes the phone used to go absolutely nuts and go. So we had to get three or four lines in and then go ring, 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 ring. And that was a high priority. So I had to yeah, train my right. people to pick it up pick up the phone. And by the way, it wasn't a mobile phone. It was one of those phones that you picked up it was a red phone or a, a white phone. And you had a chat with somebody with a cord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was the how first, it operated. Yeah. The first mentor I ever had, Steve, his name was Andre. I met him in Canada. He really changed my life. He was the first person that had like shattered some beliefs. And he said, Jamie, like when your mum walked, it was a world gym, by the way, a world gym in Kelowna. He says, if your mum walks into this gym, what does she see? And I was so perplexed by the question, like, what do, you, what do you mean, Andre? He's like, I'll tell you what she sees, Jamie. She sees stuff, and this stuff scares her. So your job is to have that conversation and become a people person. Like, they are buying the outcome, i.e. the result. They are not buying the life fitness treadmill. They are not buying the Nautilus lap pull-down. They are not buying the techno gym chest press. They are buying the result. And I think fit pros, we love fitness so much that we can't help but talk about our modality but no one cares like, until you connect with them that's true i'll take it one step further people buy the the result but i will go one step further they don't buy the result they buy the feeling the result will give them and what they're trying to avoid let's say it's skinny steve is at the beach and he's embarrassed 
So he goes in and says he wants to be big. His result is to get bigger and buffed up and look great. But really, really, if it's an authentic conversation, Steve will tell you he's too skinny. Steve will say that I'm embarrassed. And then he's going to get trained and help him with some nutrition. And then we'll get, we get bigger. So you can stop feeling embarrassed. Yeah, so Steve, what it's is the impact? Called, it's called a now factor. And guys if, who are listening to this, please listen to what I'm saying. The now factor is I don't want to get big. The now factor is I don't want to be skinny anymore. The outcome of that is I'm bigger. If it's if it's 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 Steve's, it's too big, too fat, too too chubby. It's not that I want to be slimmer and more buffed up. That's an outcome. What's the feeling? So I feel proud and not embarrassed anymore. That is called the now factor. And that needs to be established before we explain anything about the activity, whether it's training, yeah. whether it's group exercise, whatever. And when we talk about the machines, free weights and so forth, it's absolutely the worst, the, the two worst things done in our industry by far is number one, telephone skills. Number two is the tour. Now we throw out the tour about five years ago. We call it proofing now. We sure I hate, the, I hate I hate the tour, Steve. I don't care about the personal training board. So at the end of the day, we say tour. Okay, it is a tour. But what are you going to do? You find out Steve's the problem. You teach him a little bit in the in the qualification modality. Show that you are an expert. So that you know what you're talking about. And this is where back in the olden days we were much better at closing sale before we took him for a walk around of gym. You have to make sure you prove you know what you're talking about on the tour, but you've got to establish your credibility. Now, because most of the, in those days, everyone was in great shape doing their sales and so forth, it was, they could see it. But then we took them over for a bit of a wonder. We then proved what we said was true. Now, this process come, is full circle now. It's not about the offer. The offer gets the, in, in, the, the opportunity. It's how do we prove what we said is true, that I'll invest my time and money into working with you and your team. It's not about, mm, I'm going to get a dollar cheaper up the road or no joining fee. It's irrelevant. And this so, is where the industry has really come full circle. Now the people are doing really well. People that we, we created a model a number of years ago called inking. And then everyone knows what a USP, but they don't know how to use them. But we use the process of, of the modality of vinking to USP. It's called a flow. And when you know how to do it, it's the holy grail to close. And back in the olden days, it was done by default because that's all can you give, we can used you to give do. Any, can you give me an example of inking and flow, please? Okay. Uh, you've got some skinny Steve coming in there. He has a bit of a chat and he knows he needs to do training and workouts. Well, does he really know that you're an expert and what the hell does that all mean? And you'll say, oh, look, you might not know. In other words, you might, but you, you might not know. Steve, did you actually know that uh, when you train in the gym, you feel as though you're getting bigger, but you're not? Right. Because you're going to get most of your building is in your sleep. In the first 70 minutes, to make sure you get a lot of sleep, you've got to make sure that rapid eye movement takes place the first 70 minutes. That's when the hormones get released into the body. That's when the broken down muscle starts to grow. So you've got to get good sleep. And straight after your workout, you've got to have some nutrition that's going to be, uh, you know, within that within half an hour or so forth. Some people just don't know that. And if you do, if you train without doing that, you're, you're not going to get big real fast. They go, shit, I didn't know that. That's all right. We're experts at doing that. We've got your back. Now, that's just a building thing. I mean, everyone knows that stuff. Do they? 
I mean, what, five years ago, six years ago, the wonderful word called HIT training came in place. And when everyone started to learn the word epoch, oh, my goodness, everyone knows about that. No, they don't. Well, let's get someone comes in and say, oh, look, you know, you might not know that if you're training for about 20 to 30 minutes, around six, see, about 83% of your max heart rate, guess what? You'll continue to burn off calories for up to 36 hours. So you'll be actually burning off calories in your sleep. So you, you'll be shrinking in your sleep. See, some people don't know that. The way we do that is make sure we monitor your heart rate. What would you think would happen if you were training outside that heart rate and they say, I wouldn't lose the weight? You're spot on. I wouldn't be more as effective. Well, don't worry. We're the first club to actually use this sort of training and make sure you, you can continue to burn off calories in your sleep. Okay? They go, oh, that's awesome. So all of a so sudden. What you said then, so what you said then is really important, but you can't start talking about that shit until you understand what they want to accomplish and what you would call absolutely. the now factor. What are they trying to achieve? Why is it important to them? What is the impact if they do? What is the impact if they don't? Then they actually want what you have. They understand why they want to achieve it. And then you can start what I would call solution drop and prove to you that, hey, your tour would be a pitch. Hey, like X goal, X result, X goal, X modality, X goal, X modality. We combine those three things. As you can, skinny Steve can see, you are going to get those results. But he has to want them first. I just recap what you just said. So I was saying How that you, your, I, 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 as you explained it, yeah, so for example, like, I, understood, I understood it, but, and there's a but here, what you need to do is to take what you just said and put it into a process which you can teach. So we created a model, you know, back in the olden days, and it's, it's commonplace now, where you'll have a, a process of uh, needs analysis per se, where someone talks to themselves by typing on an iPad, and by the way, writing it is so much more effective, but anyway, and then they talk to themselves. You then have, we created a model which has gone around the world a million times um, because uh, when I, after I sold my clubs, we then opened up impact training. Um, and then I had the opportunity to work very, very fortuitously with Les Mills and that opened up the world to me. And then that's when we went, that's when we multiplied impact training globally and we went global quite quickly. But I then got into a lot of clubs and saw what they were doing. And then by the way, Australia leads the field in most cases. Really? But uh, I can assure you, the problem was when you actually create the needs analysis, people don't know how to use it. So it had to be trigger pointed. So we created a model called the four W's. And the process is what, where, why, secret, how, when, big, how. And just recently in the last two years, we've upgraded it. It goes what, where, why, why, secret, how, when, when, big, how. Now, when you actually learn that modality and it's, and it's a conversation piece, I can teach that, put it on a tool and show you how to answer, ask questions about the person's answers. And guess what? That is 80, 85% of compelling argument. When you find the compelling reason to buy or become involved in your club or studio, then you then need to take them through and do the tour. Now, what you just explained was the tool. We call it Pafibi. Pain, bring up the pain. Feature a USP feature. The benefit to you is no more pain. So you can have a feeling and that's what you're wanting, isn't it? Great. 100%. We got your, we got your back. So that's called Pafibi. Pain, feature, benefit, emotion, agreement. Pain. Steve, you're a bit on the lean side. Come over here. Touch this. Feel this. Have a feel. You might not know. You might not know. Hey, the benefit is going to get bigger. You know, that T-shirt's going to be a bit tight on you. You're okay with that? And I'll laugh. 
benefits. So how feeling. does how does so, you're, how, not, so, so you're not feeling uncomfortable at beach and start feeling proud? Emotion. That's what you're wanting, isn't it? Agreement using a tie down. And I'll say, yes, great. Let me show you something else. That's called perfebi. Now, you can teach someone perfebi, but if you then tell them, got to do this, got to do that, got, that's, you can't teach someone that. You just can't mm. teach them that. With our sales guy, Steve, we have like really five parts of the script. So we have situation. So you want to uncover, well, like, why did they book the call? What sparked their interest? What is their current situation? I.e., I want to lose 10 kilos. Part of that process is how long has it been since you've reached your goal, creating a gap. From there, we go into what have you tried previously? Super important if they've been to a boutique gym, for example, before. You understand they've paid that price, what they like, what they didn't like. And then we move into the why, which is what we've just gone in deep. Like The why is the most important part. And the why would be like, so Steve, understand that you want to lose 10 kilos. So tell me, like, wh wh why is this... Why exactly is it so important you do lose these 10 kilos? And then they'll say, oh, because to have more energy. And then I use Chris Voss's never split the difference mirroring tactic to have more energy. Yeah, so I can go to the beach. So you can go to the beach. Yeah, so I can feel comfortable there. You don't feel comfortable at the beach? No, I'm not comfortable with my kids. It's impacting your kids. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to go to the beach with my kids so I don't take them there. And we want to walk them down a path to bring out that pain. And then they are all ears for your solution or what you would call your, is it your Phoebe is what you call it? The Phoebe would be on the tour. What you've just done is your needs analysis model. Now, by the way, guys, listen to what was just said. The answer to the question Jamie gave them was the answer. Then the skill, and this is what you got, your, your listeners need to learn, is the skill is to ask questions about the answers. That is the skill in your PDR, your practice. Ooh, it's not I just like that. Sorry, sorry, can I repeat that? To learn to ask questions about the answers you get. In other language, to Correct. go that, one step deeper. Two steps. Two steps. Three steps. Absolutely. See, there's levels of communication. Hey, honey, how's your weekend? How's your how's work today? Oh, it's pretty good. How was yours? Mine was great. Uh, what's for dinner? Like, I don't give a shit. Mm. Hi, honey. How's your day? Oh, you know, it's pretty good. Oh, what happened? And what? And, and she tells you, so, oh, what's planned for tomorrow? In other words, I'll ask a question about is the answers. In other words, I'm having a level two or level three conversation. Someone said, oh, what, what result do you want? Oh, you know, well, what, why is that a problem? I'm feeling embarrassed. Mm, interesting. Tell me more. So it, mm, mm. interesting. Tell me more. Okay, anything else? Okay, okay. so what you've told me is ABC. If I've got it right, God, we can help you with that. See, it's the mm. questions, and that's the skill. We can give them a model, what, where, why, secret, how, when, big, how. We can give them perfebi, and they'll get it. But it's listening and asking questions about the answers. In other words, having a care factor. See, we've got to go from selling to helping. And by the way, we go from helping, we'll then ask them, to inspire them to buy because they'll say, here's my money, when can I start? It's like if you go to the doctors and you're sick and they can operate on you straight away and, and fix you. You want to do it straight away. Same thing. Mm. But sales, people say, oh, it's that's sales. No, it's a system and a process. And uh, like Bruce Lee said, a great martial artist is like water. Water can, can either hot, flow or it can crash. And it could be hard. It can be strong. 
said, you want to be great at martial arts? Be water, my friend. And I'll say to every sales professional owner out there right now, learn your systems and process. Learn it. And there's lots of them around. Learn it, but make it your own. And the only way to do that is not practice on your clients. And you would hate a doctor to practice on their, their patients. You've got to do your PDR on a daily basis, daily not big, long flow PDRs, like whole phone calls, whole, whole tour. No, that's called assessment. Then you find out the weaknesses, two or three little modalities, and you do that every day. And we have a process called six plus three plus one, which accelerates the learning. And by after five days, that modality is locked and loaded, and it's good to go. And so it fast tracks training. Six plus three plus one, Steve? If you understand how people learn, VAKs, everyone knows about it, but 60% or more people are visual learners, but you have to, you only learn by doing. We understand the word, but if you don't actually say it out loud, not in your head, you will not learn it. That is a guarantee. It is a guarantee that you will not learn it. You will understand it. Number one. Six plus three plus one takes the adage that you need to hear, say, and do something six times to get 62% retention. Now, think about it. Hey, Jamie, I want you to learn this. Da-da-da-da-da. you got to build rapport. We say it like this. And you go, yeah, I got it, Steve. Okay, off you go. That's what managers do. I did a training three months ago. Yeah, you haven't done this. You haven't done that. you got to use the script. you got to say the four Ws. Come on, mate. you got to do the win, win, win. Do one for me. Yeah, you can do it. Off you go. No. That is called stupid. And it's making the salesperson feel inadequate. Then he'll do it. He hasn't created a different neural pathway. What is he going to do? He's going to be stilted and he's going to do it worse. So mm. the owner is actually actually crippling the salesperson. So what you do is say, mm, Steve, you're a little bit dodgy there. Would you like? Let me show you how I'd like to be done. Would you like to learn it? Okay, your turn. My turn. Your turn, my turn, your turn, six times. Great. Then you say, Jamie, three times off you go. Do it without a mistake. Eh, eh. Mistake. Eh. Again, one, two, three. Good. No mistake. One more for good measure. Awesome. We'll do it again tomorrow. We'll put it to bed. Now, could you imagine taking yeah. a part of your sales process? Could be a close. It could be overcoming an objection. It, whatever it may be. And you did it that way just for 20 minutes a day. Could you imagine how damn good you would be after five or seven days in a row yeah. doing that. So that as modality a yeah. Be so, yeah. So the manager says, Hey Steve, you have to imp improve your sales process. And then he tells you three months later when, if you pick a part of the sales process, IE, how do you start a phone call six times, three times, one time, do it a couple of days in a row. They're going to nail that modality. Five to seven. Five to seven days, they're going to nail that modality, and then they can move on to the next thing. So you almost not the whole phone call, not, but not the whole phone call, mate. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So hello, for example, you know, it's just the thing they're doing poorly, and it's usually yeah. finding compelling reason. It could be asking them to 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 book an appointment, whatever it may be. Just take yeah. that small so, part, nail yeah. it, and then review it at the end of the week. I like that. So break down the sales process into incremental parts. Repetition, practice, get better, nail it, and then you'd move on to the next thing. And then you'd nail that. And then over a 10 to 12-week period, if there's 12 parts of your sales process, practice, repetition, you will be there in 12 weeks' time. And I guess what you're saying is a typical GM will say, hey, Steve, get better at sales. 
And then in three months' time, they'll say, hey, Steve, you're not better at sales. <laughs> what do you expect? Well, it's usually at the end of the month where Steve hasn't made his target and they get grumpy on the 30th of the month. Shit months. Is, and I'd like everyone to write this down. What you talk about most becomes important. What you talk about most becomes important. And you might say you've got 100 sales for the month and you, don't, you bring it up at the end of the month and you've only done 63, you're ticked off, you're disappointed. Well, you've got to take, if you're the owner or the manager, give yourself an uppercut. Because if you've got to make 100 sales, you know how many sales you need to make per day. You'll know how many appointments you need. You know how many leads you need. You know how many contacts you need. And if you're not helping and managing or, or reviewing what your team are doing on a daily basis, you are not serious about your business. And it's 100%. not about micromanaging. It's about understanding. Now, let's say Steve's struggling. His call to contact is low. His contact to booked appointment is good, but his show rate sucks. Well, he's crap on the phone. But guess what? He's going to continue to do the same thing without any change. But you say, hey, man, increase your show rate. Use the script. Okay. Mm. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Build some rapport. Take your time, mate. Take your time. Make sure you get the win. You know, build, build compelling reason. You know the four W's. Yep. Yep. Nothing will change. And then you're ticked off at the end of the day. Let's say he's a crap salesperson. Well, the poor man or woman is under duress. You're not leading him or helping him become better. That's where you've got to find out where the weakness is. And that's why we do PDR all the time. And, and it's fun. It's called practice, drill, rehearse. It's role play, not role serious, right? It's have fun. Mm. And role play on the run is great fun. And I'll, I'll, by the way, when we used to do this a lot, or even with the clubs we work with all around the world, we'll actually randomly call Bob up and say, hey, mate, how you going? Hey, how was you having the problem with the attitude adjustment close the while? Hey, you nailed that? Oh, yeah. Hey, let's do it now. Bang. Role play on the run. And he just puts it to bed. I sent him a little gift in the mail. I used to do it with my team. Used to do mm. some managers used to tell me they were doing some PDR with, let's say, Francois. I used to walk into the club. Hey, mate, how you going? I've been doing a bit of this. And they go, yeah. Show me how good you are. He goes, oh, you get me nervous. Says, man, I heard that you're nailing it. He does it. I take out my envelope. I give him a gift. 20 bucks, 50 bucks. He fails. Yeah. That's okay. He doesn't get the 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. let's do a bit more training. Hey, Jamie, what I, train funds. What, I, yeah, what I really like about that, Steve, is I teach to lots of gym owners that say they've got shitty trainers, shitty sales staff. And at the end of the day, if your staff are underperforming, take ownership and take responsibility. You haven't put them in the position to be successful. If you haven't followed the outline that Steve's just gone through of that daily repetition, of course, they're going to forget stuff. Of course, they're not going to do things. So what systems do you have in place? And I love that, Steve. What gets spoken about is important. And if your sales target's 100 a month and you've got 30 sales 20 days in, well, then you haven't been giving them the daily updates. So that's on you, not your staff. And then when you get the updates not working, it's not – see, you manage process lead people. Mm. If they're not following the process, find out where they've gone wrong. Don't get grumpy. Help them. And this takes, This is where leadership comes in. People say, I don't have the time. I say, well, look in the mirror and find the time. If it's important, find the time. If it's not important, don't complain about it. It's ownership, my friend, because um, and, and and it comes right back down to the initial training. Look at right back down to induction. Our induction into the industry is horrific. You get a new person in place, you find out how to do the front desk and so forth, and you get them all on the old leads and make them do phone calls. Are you serious? This is this is 
pandemic. It's a it's 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 crucifying salespeople right now. And I, I've seen people still doing it. Even people we've worked with. Oh, we've got Johnny going to legacy leads. Why? They've said no a hundred times. They don't like your offer. You're calling the person to get rejected or no answers. That yeah, will create call, that will create call reluctance. Yeah, you're setting the salesperson up so for you, you don't teach people any phone work from the beginning. Now, by the way, this is something that's a, a quite unique to our training. We never teach phone work ever from the get-go. After the ops are done, you always pre present price presentation. Why? Because you get the numbers clear in their head, whether you use a tariff, whether you use a – and by the way, do not do an auditory close. Like I'm just talking, it must be show – Either draw it, put it on a tariff, teach them the close, show them the price presentation, ask them, and you make sure they nail that before you do anything else. Yeah, Once that's done. Because someone can be amazing at building rapport, but if they can't close, they can't close. But if they can close, you can fix the call upstream. And you've got so to mate, get comfortable to yeah. from green yeah, to red I'll brain. I want to jump in there, mate, because like, so with our done for you everything service, we only sell over the phone. So a lot of that visual, i.e. writing the price down, is removed from that. With Impact Training Corporation, how do you coach people over the phone compared to how do you coach people in person? Okay. If, if when we uh, do coaching with people, and we, we, we'll do it on a Zoom now, we won't, if, if, if it, it has to be on the telephone call, we'd have to give them a prompt in front of them and they would have to read it verbatim to us. In other words, create the neural pathway of the perfect phone call, which will never, ever happen. Will never happen. But you've got to follow the process. So you have to put the process in, in place first. Firstly, make sure they understand the flow and have the perfect role play. It's called a full flow read. Read it right through to the end. Firstly, before we even do that, we get them to read it out loud three times to themselves, sitting in the cupboard, on the toilet, I don't care. Read it out loud first. Then we then say, right, we then break up the telephone call into either three, four or five chunks. As we all know, the initial contact is the most important. So we have to have upbeat tempo. I don't want to have tempo at the, at the beginning. I just want to get the words right. Once they know the words, we can then change the delivery. So chunk one. One, one, two, two, three, three. Great. Nailed it. Chunk one and two. Now they know chunk one already, but now they get a massive repetition. One, one, two, 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 chunk one and two. Now it depends on how big one and two are. Then we might go, oh, you're bloody good at number one. Let's go two and three. So they'll go two and three. One, one, two, two, three, three. Great. Let's do one, two, and three. Room. Yeah. Again. So just, just again. once again, it's just the reps, just getting the reps in to improve as a sales Then you go through to four and five. Four and five, four and five. Awesome. Let's do three, four and five. Now let's go to the full flow. That was really good, Steve. Okay, now you've learned how to do it. We'll do it again tomorrow. Not in your you know what to do. Yeah. In your experience, Steve, like 35 plus years, like selling in person over the phone. If you're a gym owner in 2023, what would you recommend in person or over the phone? Oh, look. Number one, a belly-to-belly -belly sell is so much easier. However, belly-to-belly, you, belly, you mean face-to-face, -to -face, sorry? Face-to-face -face in the club. No yep. question about it. You've got the energy. You've got the smile. You've got the smell. You've got your, your tactile components and so forth. So much better, right? How On the big, big rock here, people get lazy. Our industry has become phenomenally lazy. 
phenomenally lazy. They don't pick up the phone. They don't do the calls. They don't, don't do follow-up. Uh, they always rely on emails and text messages. They think automation is the key to get someone bombarded with a whole lot of electronic stuff. Come back. We're in the people business. Have a conversation. It's how many conversations you're having, not how many emails you're sending out. Those okay. emails are the create conversations. So if you want to make sure that in our industry that we have some success, you've got to talk to more people. Belly to belly is better. Next, Zoom. In COVID, we actually created a model called Zoom Mastery. It was something that we were doing prior to COVID, quite interestingly enough. And it was, uh, we then said, right, get, and we have a thing called Zoom Switch. I get you on the phone. I find compelling argument. Create a bit of rapport, USP. And I know how when you want to get the outcome. And then, oh, by the way, when you ask when you want the result, that's called future pace. Okay, that's a good question. But it's not a now question. We've included an, a when-when. So now, when did you want to get out? Oh, that's doable. Well, so when would you want to start that journey? That's called a subconscious preframe to close. I want to start straight away. Well, that's December, I take it. Yeah. Okay. The sooner we do that, the better. Otherwise, you're not going to get result by June. So now you've got a now factor. Now, if you've got someone say, look, Steve, where are you right now? Oh, I'm at home. Are you close to a computer? Yep. Internet access? Terrific. So look, you can come and have a chat with us. But more important, let's have a quick. Have you ever used Zoom before? Yeah. I'll send you a Zoom link. We'll have a quick chat and cut to the chase. So Steve, get you ready I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in there and just challenge you it's it's the first thing that i disagree on since we spoke this spoke on this call so we one call close as in we close 100 percent over the phone into the gym and i feel as though that going from a phone call to a zoom link would add more friction into the process and well, people what you're selling you're selling a short-term program, two months, six weeks or whatever. You can ask for small money over the phone, whether it's 100 bucks, $300, doesn't matter. It's a short-term commitment. If you want someone to join your gym on a 12-month membership and buy personal training and use all your bits and pieces, you need to go belly to belly. Now I'll put you to bed on that one. Short-term program, $97, that's a no-brainer. If I'm excited, yeah. it's a good, good price, easy to do. That's not hard. Um, yeah, so if you so want someone people, to join so, as a membership, get them on a Zoom or get them on a belly to belly. Yeah, so I guess my my in my experience, the difference would be is I would agree with you. It is easier to close someone in person than over the phone. But then by allowing them to book in a phone call, you're going to have more conversations because it's more convenient for the other person. For example, they could opt in now, they could book in a phone call at 5 p.m. this afternoon when I probably the gym owners in the gym running sessions. Right. So I think for us, what we've, we've chosen is like, we would accept a slightly less close percentage, but we'd have a much higher lead to booking percentage and the end Are result is about, still more sales. If you're getting a low entry program sale and to get the person in, sure. No problem. No problem. But you're talking about a, your clubs, but also your a business that actually does this for a living. So let's go down to the, we've got to go to the, the common denominator here. And this is a mistake a lot of owners do. And I, I'm feminine about it. I've been doing this a very long time. I know it works. And, you know, the young guns come along and tell me, you know, you know, well, I've seen it happen. If you're very, very good at something, you're very good and you, do, you live it and you say, oh, no, no, this is what everyone has to do. No, 
you go to an any time, you go to a, a Jets, you go to an, a fitness first where you have limited training and, and, and then a high expectation to, to get them to close over the phone, which is an exceptionally good skill to learn on a low entry program, you're going to have a, a, a lot of leads burned. You got to go to the mm. low, lowest common denominator. So, sure, so you feel as though best practice for so you feel as though that best practice for a new person in the industry would be contact the lead as fast as possible, have that be a yes. triage call, and then you'd invite them into the club. Ideally, now if they're if this process that you teach them is done over a period of time, like I'm sure you teach your people with repetition, and they 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 actually can say it in their sleep, and that's the process that your business has to sell them a short-term program, one month, two months, whatever it may be, six weeks, and it's 197 to 199, and that's your way that you do business, then that's the way you do business. You don't say, come on in. And by the way, you're correct when you say, booked appointment, then the sh- we got to look at show rate. If you've done a shit job, you got a low show, then there's follow-up. So I would agree there, 100%. But if you've mm. got them in... in Locked and loaded on a trial of some, a paid trial is better than a free trial. Then they're at least committed. And then, but if your business is doing that, terrific. But if you look around the industry right now, um, they're not doing that. They'll have hmm. an offer, no joining fees, six months, whatever it is. And their their business wants their staff to book an appointments. If I went into the say to someone, hey, change your marketing, change your calls to action and get all your guys to sell $9,797 uh, six-week programs to get them in, they'd have a meltdown. So I've got to go into the lowest common. I've got to make sure that when we go to a business, we see what they're doing and we can advise them. But, you know, uh, the industry is very, very slow at making changes. But if that hmm. business is a a low entry program model. And that's what, I, I mean, as you know, com marketing do it, uh, you do it and so forth. And you train your people to do it well. Beauty. If there's no other yeah. option. Great. I, so, I, th- I think, I think, I think where I've seen Steve, like I, I'm not talking about a 24 hour gym here. I'm talking about the majority of gym owners I talk to would be an owner operator of a boutique gym. So for example, they're running a typical group timetable and they haven't got time for those in-person appointments. So in that situation, they need to learn to sell over the phone. The only other option is they invite people in for a session. They do a free trial. At the end of the session, hey, do you want a membership? Right? So they're the two options for, I guess, the people that we tend to help with our model. But yeah, for a 24-hour right. gym, I can, underst- I can understand 100% why you'd want them to, to, to invite them into the club. But I also know that there's people online that sell 26-week programs for $3,000 over the phone directly. So if they're selling a program online with a lack of trust for 26 weeks for $3,000, a brand like Anytime Fitness, one of the biggest franchises in the world, do you think that the industry needs to evolve to improve to help that person sell, whether it is a $99 trial or a $199 trial or sell over the phone? Or do you think that, or do you think that the industry is nowhere near that yet where that sort of thing could be rolled out? Look, Early adopters are great. I love working with early adopters. We have 16 sites globally that will do new things all the time and they'll just take it on board. I'm quite anal in making sure it will work. I don't want them to risk anything on losing some money. So they know I've been working with them for a very long time. The industry is such, uh, industry is slow to adopt new things. What they will be good at is a, a quick fix. 
So if they can see there's an opportunity to have a low entry in, the problem here is if you're selling your low entry, and by the way, people are doing it online where they'll opt in for 197 for a challenge or whatever it may be, um, the outcome is not just the 197. You want them to become a member. So it's taking them from that paid trial to make sure when they come in, because you've got to get them belly to belly, you've got to come in hmm. from that, that, that buying it online on the phone to booking them in for their first experience. How are we going to get them to become a member afterwards? Now, people always throw out the numbers. Oh, we've got a 70% close rate. We've got a 60% close rate. I'll eat my left shoe. And I've never <laughs> seen anyone give me the 7 to 80%. When I check the data, it's usually about 20 and 30%, and they nearly have a coronary. So I need um, to jump in. I need to jump in there. So if it's a paid trial and they pay the ongoing weekly membership fee, i.e., for example, 28 days for 199 the ongoing membership is 50 a week, I've seen it about 70%. So you're saying because that they join for three months, and then is the, the payment then continues thereafter without asking them to continue, or do you have to yeah, resell so, them at the end? So, of the so, so typically how it works, it'd be a 28-day program, right, for 199 we send them into the gym or they come into our gym. I still have two gyms myself on that first phone call. Just so you know, your membership does roll over day 29 and beyond. It's a 12 month membership. The good news is just the price is exactly the same as you paid for the trial. Let me know throughout the 28 days, what you'd like to do. And as long as you have their card details, as long as they paid that weekly amount, as long as your 28 day program is as good as you think it is. And here's the thing, Steve, every single gym owner I've ever met says, I just need to get people in my doors then I have seen conversions around 70%. Where it does fall off is when you do a seven-day trial and then all of a sudden you try and jack their price to 65 or when you do 28 for 28 or 30 for 30. So I think that that initial sale and the price they pay might be the biggest factor for them continuing onto that six or 12-month option. It's when the, so when the unskilled on staff... The term, yep. So they join short-term... You explain it over the phone that will continue. And if they aren't uncomfortable within a period, they can always opt out. But they have to have the paperwork to continue. Now, this is a different conversation when you just say short term. But if you've got a opt, opt out like a risk reversal and you've got a upfront payment initially and then it will continue thereafter, absolutely. A quality, we call it a quality guarantee close. Okay. Which means that say, hey, Join now for your six weeks. It's going to be this much. It'll continue at 27 bucks a week until for 12 months. If you're not happy within that period of time, you just tell us we'll just snip, snip it. But at the end of the day, you've got the paperwork done at point of sale. Now, that 100%. is a different conversation where most people will have, hey, get started on a six-week trial and I'll get the 97 bucks. They will not get the direct debit done. They will not give them a quality guarantee then try to flip them at the end. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, okay. You so understand? you're saying that like, so you're saying the majority of things that you see is they will have some type of front-end challenge that's poorly priced and then the conversion on that front-end challenge that isn't done at point of sale, you're told it's absolutely. 70%, but you think you see 20. Mate, oh, I, I, we agree. We, we agree. Bingo. So, see, now we've got more specificity with your modality. So, when you say short term, is that good to go? I'll say no. But what you've done, and guys, listen to what we're saying here. This is a good conversation. It's a good conversation. We've got an opportunity on the phone. It's a great opportunity to have low risk short term. 
and maybe get a little bit of size or whatever it may be. And then if they've got a taster that if I like it, I'll continue at that rate. And they've got to agree to that from the get-go. And there's a, a risk reversal in it too. I could see 70, 80% close because that gives the person the freedom to make choices. Where it doesn't work when you have really cheap and then you say, oh, right, it's one ninety nine or see fifty bucks for six weeks. Then all of a sudden, say, hey, gee whiz, it's now twenty five bucks a week. They go, oh my god, the yeah. perception of value. And then you've got to try to flip them. Flip, flip, closing died a hundred years ago, but people yeah, are still I agree. doing it. I agree, so, and that's where I, you're that's saying, where I get, you're spot on. Yeah, that's where I get not frustrated, but I speak to a lot of franchisees, mate, and they run a lot of offers that are like two for two so it's two bucks for two weeks and that's where their conversions at 20 percent. because all of a sudden they associate one dollar per week and then you try and charge them 104 a fortnight and even if they've enjoyed your program it's a tough pill to swallow and that's where like i think where i'm so passionate about it's just like you like for them to like i think what bothers me steve too is like i think the fitness industry is just just disrespected can I have a free trial? Can I have free this? Can I have free that? Can I have free this? Can I have free that? No other industry in the world can you walk in for free shit. And it comes down to, <laughs> I don't think they need, we need more Steve Jensen's in the world to teach these sales processes so that you can either invite them into the club or sell them a higher ticket over the phone so that you can have a higher quality customer, get a higher quality service, higher quality conversion. And with that brings more referrals. And with that, it's actually less operational complexity in the business because you need less people in total. No, you're correct. And um, but what you've explained to everyone very well, I might add, is not saying high ticket over the phone, whatever, it's low. Well, where the specificity that you brought in was, hey, Tell them that they're going to get an X amount of money and time. They've got a, a risk reversal model and it will continue with it. So make sure you get a result. So in other words, the current transaction is created from the get-go. Now you might get 20 to 30% cancel. It doesn't matter. The follow-up is zero. And this is what I'm very excited about. And we put in many years ago, but now you've put it into a model, which you do it over the phone and they get all done and dusted, that means there's zero follow-up because follow-up is tedious and it's very ineffective with time. So having all the paperwork done from the very get-go and have an opt-out clause within a period is a very, very strategic and very sound move. Well, but it's if you interesting, don't have, Steve, because the prospect, has to, the prospect has to follow up with you to cancel. <laughs> like, they have to do more, more work than you. So, if, but if you explain that to them and you've got that in place that's strategically sound it is not strategically sound to have a short term in without the without the quality guarantee the dd to continue that's where most clubs really struggle and they don't do it well so i want to talk about that steve like so you go into a club you speak to the owner and they say hey like we get x amount of trials our conversion rates this you identify it's way less and you feel as though that the majority of the problem is in that trial period, whether it's seven days or 14 days, the staff aren't following up that person, making sure they're having a quality experience. No, I can't say that would be the case. I would say three things is the problem. Number one, when you, you have that person going on to a trial of any description, 
five, seven, 10, 15 days. It doesn't matter. You've got to pre-qualify that person. This is the problem. If you want to come in for seven days, I'll say, well, let me see if you qualify for the seven days, whether it's paid or not, it's irrelevant. Firstly, do you live and work locally? Yeah. Okay, will you be around a while? Yes, I will. Well, good. LT. Well, what type of training are you doing at the moment? Nothing, lots, got it. Ah, well, what result are you looking for? Building, trimming, toning, firming, shaping. Okay, well, we're experts at that. We'll talk more when you pop in. I'm just curious, after the seven days, and you really feel comfortable, you're feeling that it's a good fit, you get the size, the definition, the weight off, and you can see it. We've got proof, 14 day. Do you think you might want to continue afterwards? Yeah, more than likely. Terrific. Well, all of our memberships are quality guaranteed. And uh, that's how we work with the business. Are you comfortable with that? See, now that's pre qualified. He goes, yeah. No. I said, Well, what's the problem? Well, I'm going to go li- back and live in Tahiti. Okay. Well, you won't qualify for that low entry. <laughs> There's two things there, mate, I want to highlight to the audience is I'm curious, what are you doing after seven? And all of our memberships are quality guaranteed. So your language there was very strategic on purpose to put it into their mind already that, hey, like you are going to have a great experience and there is something that happens day eight and beyond because you had this result that you want to achieve, right? So it's once again, going back to what you would call that, I guess they're why, because they're buying for, oh, they're now, sorry, because they're buying for emotional reasons. Yeah. And if you like, and, it's, and you're comfortable down here to think you might, see, that's called a double test. Do you think? You might. See, the brain can like differentiate that. from a decision. A real decision and a pretend decision is a decision by way of definition by the brain. So if you like it and you feel comfortable getting the size of definition and you'll start getting the, the momentum, do you think you might want to continue to be a member and get the size you're really wanting? Great. Okay. Mm. Good. I love so that. So it's, it's, it's called the cue. <laughs> yeah. But if we do that, on a trial for what you asked earlier. And then we say, great. All of them is called into guaranteed. Anyway, <laughs> and that's what we're going to be doing when you join. So all of a sudden they go into the trial, you fill in the paperwork, quality guarantee. I mean, if you've got, if it's by the way, a quality guarantee, if you've got a 14 day mini membership or whatever you want to call it, your quality guarantee does not expire on the 14th day. If it's a 14 day, it's seven to 10. If it's a seven day, it's three to five. Always expires before the end of the, 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 the period. Why? Because you want to make sure that they, you're not trying to coat hanger closing them. So oh, that means man. it will go ching. Makes it much easier. 100%. Steve, I've got two questions for you. Number one, what is the biggest difference? in sales in the early 80s compared to the 2020s? In the early 80s, people were passionate about and understood training. The people that were selling were actually training. They could talk to, they, they were perceived and they looked like experts. Okay. It wasn't always about the offer, the offer. And they used to talk to you about, and took a little bit of time. System systemization with our business it became more systemized, um, but and there was a lot less com- competition. Right when the competition did come into play, it became absolutely catastrophic. You got buy six months, get six months free. You got twelve months, get twelve months free. You go buy a lifetime membership. It was disgusting. Then direct debit came into play, and it changed. Back in those days, it's a paid. In, it was a per visit. Then it became a pack 
we jumped the gun and did the membership, but it became pack orientated 12 months, six months. Okay. If you couldn't pay for it in 12, uh, 12 months up front, you'd give them a little bit of an installment and you have become a, a little bit of cash. But then credit cards came into play, everything changed. Now, now, and by the way, the sales process was telephone, 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 see people, go out there and meet people. It was doing doing aerobics on on stage, uh, having little yeah. competitions running, talking to the community and and being part of the community. And by the way, in a pre-sale, that's what you do now, but everyone stops. So that's what happened back then. It then evolved. Now, it's all about how, how much money am I going to spend on Facebook? How, how much am I going to um, spend per day? Okay, you've got to do it. But the amount of work in front of people is reduced significantly. Number two, the sales uh, expectation is high, very high. We have a lot of over expenses, high wages, and so forth. So there's a lot of pressure on the owners. The problem is they're not training. They're not reinforcing. They try to do it themselves, and they fail. So we have an attrition in our team, very expensive. If you took the time to train them and nurtured your team members who are profit centers and on the face of your business, they will stay longer. You can pay them admirably and you'll have a, a, a business which is people orientated. Um, mm. It comes back down to not relying on social media automation. Automation is important. but We've got to get on our phone. You've got to go to people and you've got to teach your people how to do it. And that's how it's changed significantly. It's significant. It's not just a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot. 100. People get. I've sent out two hundred emails. I've sent out seventeen texts. I mean, people don't even confirm with a phone call anymore. It's a text message confirmation. Are you serious? That's the last time I can talk to Jamie to say, "Looking forward to seeing you on Friday. I've got an action plan ready for you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to get you ready for football, so you're not playing in reserve grade. And by the way, I'm going to introduce to Andre, um, who's one of the super." Star trainers that I he does a lot of work with footballers. Okay, so you got good. You got you got to you know where to park. Great. Yeah, you say you're gonna have a latte when you came in. I'll be joining you with that, mate. So let's get you yeah. ready for football. Yeah, last chance I, to bring yeah. up their pain and solution. But no, we get a confirmation yeah. text. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you in 24 hour contact appointment time zone. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't agree more, mate. Like, and just like we are, we are. Them. Well, even if you leave a voicemail, you at least leave the voicemail which says, I prepared something for you. I'm looking forward to seeing you and I've got something to give you. When you automate, Steve, you can leave a voicemail. You can leave a voicemail drop. You can leave an automated voice memo. And then, even getting better, you can get AI Jamie to, to leave an automated voicemail. <laughs> so, you're right. It's getting further. It, it's when getting further. It yeah. like when it sounds like Jamie, it's all good to go. Yeah. It's getting I'm further. All for it. Yeah. I'm all for I guess, it, but, like, with automation, it's getting further and further away from like just pick up the damn phone and speak to speak to the person you're dealing with in front of you. Steve, I've got one final. I've got business. one final. Talk to more. I've got one final question. What should have I asked you that I didn't ask you? What should have you asked me that you should have? Um, let me think now. How do we keep our staff? energized and enthusiastic to make more sales and the answer is uh, train them on why kprs are important 
link their KPIs to them personally. In other words, what's it going to do for them? Care about the human being. Your team members has a family, has goals, and has dreams. Care about the person. Tell them, let them know who you are. And always acknowledge effort, but only reward consistency. 100%. I really like that. Care about your prospects that you're trying to sell to and care about your staff just as much and you have a profitable business. Steve, once again, 35 years experience, mate. I've learned so much on this phone call. It's a really great discussion about old school versus new, new school. And I want to thank you so much for coming on, mate. Terrific. So my pleasure. Great to have a, a good, robust conversation. I love them. That's well done. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Steve.